This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Sweet. When you're ready, Jake, I'm going to take my tie off, actually. <laughs> don't want to no, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take plays, films, and more that have never been staged before or are never likely to be staged again and talk about how we'd stage them. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello. And this week, we are joined once again by our favourite guest. It's Elspeth Barron. Hello. Hey. Yes, favourite guest title. Favourite favorite guest ranked in number of times they've appeared on the podcast. This is my <laughs> fourth time. Is it your fourth time or is it your third it, time? No, it's my... Because we have one lost episode. Yeah, no, it's officially, it's officially fifth. my fifth time, but it's the fourth time actually appearing. Okay, wait, you mean unofficially the fifth? Unofficially the fifth, Oh, yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> yeah, unofficially the fifth. Uh, we have a lost episode. It's very sad. But, um, Elsbeth, you, you have just recently had a, a, a very exciting promotion. I have indeed. Uh, you... You are now project coordinator at Chichester Festival Theatre. What, what does that involve? Uh, I am. I've moved departments from learning and participation over to uh, the executive team, or our own little team, actually, of projects and planning, which is just me and my line manager, who's the head of projects and planning. Um, and my new job is uh, looking after uh, some particular events and projects over 2022. So it's our 60th anniversary year. Um, so doing some events around that. And uh, we're also so as uh, in Chichester doing a season of culture to um, celebrate the birthdays of lots of cultural organisations across the city because uh, weirdly we've never realised it before but we all celebrate a big anniversary together and then some other exciting secret projects for now but you know maybe I'll reveal all at some point Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well that's very exciting and uh... I just make them happen basically those events yeah and that's what you're good at thanks um let's make something happen on the yeah this that's a good idea <laughs> today. is that what is that what it sounds like when i try and do segues is that are they that yes, bad it, no <laughs> i think that was better than the normal oh, no. <laughs> make me make me stop oh dear <laughs> elspeth you have brought us an episode of the amazon prime series modern yes. love based on the New York Times column of the same name and written and directed by uh, John Carney, who's well-known for Sing Street and Begin Again and Once, maybe? And other things. Um, and this episode is called When the Doorman is Your Main Man, and it stars uh, Kristen Melotti and uh, Laurentel uh, Posser. Else, do you want to give us a, a rundown of the plot? Yes. I watched it last night and I thought I would remember really well what the plot is. But basically, um, we are introduced to Maggie, who lives in a building with uh, Guzman, who is her doorman. Um, she is outside with a guy just at the end of the date and uh, she is trying to encourage him to stay away from the building because Guzman basically 
likes to uh, check in on these boys that she's dating and make sure they're the right fit for her. Um, and so we see her date a series of boys um, and some of them be uh, terrible people for her. Um, and the second guy that she meets, uh, she decides to be be bold and bring him into the flat. She really likes him um, and thinks things are going well. Uh, and then he breaks her heart, as Gu- Guzman uh, predicted her doorman. And then I guess it's a spoiler, but uh, she finds out she's pregnant <laughs> with this uh, man's baby and uh, Guzman is there to look after her and is the first one to um, take her in and listen to her. Um, she tells the boy and he is not very helpful in any way. Uh, we see the baby grow up and... Uh, and we see her pregnancy and Guzman is there. We then see the baby grow up um, and she has to tell Guzman she's leaving. And all this time she hasn't found the right man for her, but Guzman has always looked out for her daughter. Uh, and then she moves to LA and she comes back to visit and brings her new boyfriend. Uh, and Guzman approves and says uh, that the whole time he was looking in her eyes to see if she really loved him. And it's really cute and sweet and... Uh, a lovely little love story. It's a re- no, yeah. It's a really beautiful little. Uh, it's like half an hour long, and it's really short and sweet. And it's very and, funny uh, as well. I mean, it had yeah. It's funny as well, yeah, yeah. And uh, one, I mean, it had me a little bit tearful a couple moments. Mm. It's quite Aww. rare for me. Maybe that just says more about my emotional state <laughs> than anything else. I <laughs> the cynic in me got annoyed at that bit at the end when he was like, "I was looking in your eyes," because I was like, "Yeah, but Aww. looking like you love someone in their eyes takes time." And he, she's had that uh, time with this guy see- because he wasn't there to chase them away <laughs> that, was, that wasn't the bit that, that got me tearful I'll, t- I'll tell you what we'll do a, a new segment on the podcast uh, bits that made Caleb a bit tearful <laughs> are we up for this what's the acronym but a but a but a okay <laughs> so um so it was the bit where she's having the baby and she looks over and uh, Guzman's there in the corner oh, of the yeah. room sort of like just watching over her. And he's not actually there, but she's like imagining him there and that helps her like oh, push what? the baby out. Oh, I thought he was actually there. What? Because no. no, then she looks back and he's not there. Oh, I didn't clock that. <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Um, and then it was it was after that bit at the end when we then see it shows his desk um, and it's got the picture of oh. the, the daughter's ultrasound um, sort of taped behind the desk and he's kept it there ever since with oh, the security codes man. don't keep the security codes at the desk <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what I actually thought the same thing though because I was getting tearful and then I was like they're just like in my head although it doesn't make sense I was like they're just showing all of us those security codes right now <laughs> what are they doing <laughs> How ridiculous is that? It's not real. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Modern Love is an anthology series. Yes. Uh, similar to like Inside Number 9 that we've done recently um, and Black Mirror. And Well, I guess we're kind of living in this moment of like a resurgence of anthology series, these shorter stories that are kind of like consumable in one sitting. Um, and I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about like well, Jake and I haven't seen any more than just this one episode of Modern Love. But also, if you've seen all of it, maybe you could give us a, a few thoughts on what you would do if you were given the series as a whole to stage before we get into the specifics of this episode. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I was thinking about that as I was watching because obviously I've listened to the podcast and I was thinking, oh, um, 
Uh, it would be really interesting to look at staging the whole season because there's actually two seasons. The first season is very much half an hour episodes, um, but the second season are hour long, like slightly more like drama episodes. And I thought, oh, what would it be like to put on all these love stories in a row? And I think it'd be really interesting, but what I'm actually more interested and excited by is the potential of putting this episode as like a, a B story, like a... What did you call it earlier? Like a B movie oh, that B you movie. used to have, which you sometimes get before a Pixar film these days. Still, you still yeah. get those shorts that happen, and and it has been known to happen in theatre before that. There's been this kind of like pre-show curtain and curtain raiser performance, and I wonder if it's a really interesting like curtain raiser before maybe a epic love story or something else that's go, going into theatre. I think it would be really interesting. Um, I think like knowing the whole whole season of them they they interconnect and and it's a really interesting story it's a bit like watching something like valentine's day or um new year's eve or something like that where some of the stories <clears throat> slightly oh. interconnect oh, I had no idea. but um some of them are complete oh no i'm getting that wrong i'm getting that completely wrong that's not that's I'm- something else I'm thinking of Easy. Yeah, you are thinking of Easy because I was I was about to say, oh, Easy, which I think we should do an episode on the podcast as well. Uh, does the same thing because no, no, that's a Netflix show. It's and easy. That, yeah. But no, modern Easy does that. <laughs> modern yeah, yeah. Love is all ep- separate stories, and I think, it, okay. but they're all telling different <laughs> separate stories. Oh my gosh! I told you I can't think in a straight line today. <laughs> um, they're all separate stories, but they're really, all really nice vi- vinaigrettes of life and art. Vinaigrettes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to <laughs> You know what? I'd have them with a salad. I, I would. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Elspeth. Well, Are you all right? Okay. Just... <laughs> Vignettes, maybe? Yes. Honestly, vinaigrettes. These these episodes, yeah, these episodes. You just have these episodes in your salad, and you're you're all set. They're just tasty. I knew that wasn't the word as well, but my brain didn't let me stop to go Uh, vignettes. They're really nice. They're all really nice vignettes of life and how we live life, Um, and that's what I'm really interested in. Story-wise, I like seeing people's moments in life rather than anything particularly dramatic or crazy because uh, sometimes you can't always connect to that. So I think that's what's really nice about modern love is that, um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I've gone off on a little tangent, but I, no, yeah, but I, I, I kind of, I, I agree in that. Like the thing I liked is that it's called modern love, but um, the love story was kind of like at the beginning and then sort of like at the end but in the middle i just completely forgot it was meant to be like a modern love story right it was kind of like actually just uh, just a nice uh insight into someone's life and the love love between between the doorman and her it's different i guess with a title like modern love you kind Mm. of you know there's a certain angle you think it's going to oh, take, I, yeah. but actually, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was neat that it it became yeah about this sort of platonic bond between, uh, sort of almost like a father figure uh, who's sort of looking after her, and then this young woman. Just to return very briefly to uh, to your thought elsewhere about doing these like a B movie. Um, I, I mean, I think it's a really neat idea. I think Jake and I have talked 
um, a couple of times recently on the podcast and we talk constantly off the podcast about this idea of, uh, you know, how long does a theater show need to be these days and what draws people out and what, you know, what do people want to see on stage? How, you know, how engaged are people going to be if something's like a three hour epic? Um, that's not to, you know, knock those things, but actually, you know, is there, is there a space within theater for, for something shorter that's more sort of easily consumed? Um, and I think the idea of actually, you know, matching this with maybe something that's like an hour long and doing like a short interval in between, um, I, that is really appealing to me. Like in the way that they sort of bill, uh, sort of comedy nights, you would have like the, the comedian and also a supporting act. The idea of putting, pairing this with something that's maybe like been a big hit of the fringe. And then like, you know, you have like this half an hour, really neat, compact story. And then something that's like an hour long show that's kind of like the headlining act that people are there to see, I think could work really, really well with the kind of theatrical landscape we have at the moment. And then it feels like a night at the theatre, but, you know, you get two two different stories and it's a bit more of an event. So I just want to check um, because I think it's not maybe like a universally known thing. So a a B-movie was in the old times you would go to the theater and there would be more than one movie shown right but was the, was the yes. b movie yeah, yeah, yeah. always shorter or yes right. well often it, it not necessarily like a short film mm. often it would be like an hour long maybe or an hour and five or something right and then or or, or it would be like just sub feature length so it'd be about 50 minutes right. but also like you would you used to pay for a session at the cinema right so it would be like you paid for like 6 till 10 p.m. And Mm. in that time they would show, you know, they might have like an organ recital, (laughs) you know, on the piano there. And they would have a B movie and they would have two two features or something like that. And you pay for the session and you just sort of come in and out as you please because that's how cinemas and theatres used to work Mm. back then. I mean, we've talked about four four actors um, as in like with four acts structure wise often were written that way because they wrote a first act which you didn't need to see to understand the rest mm-hmm. of the play um and often actually those first acts would be almost like a little story or a little bit of drama in and of themselves mm-hmm. with the same characters you're going to see for the rest of the play but they would kind of be their own separate thing mm-hmm. um so i guess it's yeah it's kind of returning like, to a tradition that's been there in theater and in cinema in the early part of last century that was kind of phased out when was that phased out? Maybe around the seventies, actually, when you when you began to have cinemas that had multiple multiple screens, um, and so people could just dip in for the one film they wanted to see, rather than needing a cinema. You know, you have one screen, and so you have to show everything that you're wanting to show in that one night mm. um, as one whole session that people pay for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a fascinating ninety nine percent invisible podcast episode about um, multiplexes, cinema multiplexes. It's very yeah, good. yeah. It can. I mean, it completely changed the face of cinema at the time mm. and and actually completely changed the way people made movies like b movies just stopped being made um and and so it means that now we have this far more distinct separation between a short film and a uh, feature length mm. film um which sorry i'm just getting <laughs> nerding out about <laughs> films um but i think i i think also though like we we talk about like you know where cinema and tv could maybe influence theater a lot and actually i think maybe this this way of thinking of like you can have shorter and longer features and and but there is a way of putting them together into one bill is an exciting thing that could be brought over to theater Mm. Mm. okay well so we say we're doing that then 
um so what, what constraints yeah. does that give us it means that we probably can't have much set uh it means we probably don't have much space because we might be in front of someone else's set what else does it mean um I, maybe it limits actors slightly mm. uh but also like they could be the same actors that are performing in in the the main you know the feature um coming afterwards uh in some ways i don't think it it's a huge amount of limitation because um you would probably just think carefully about how you pair a shorter show with a mm. longer show maybe the um the people in the shorter show can be the understudies for the longer show but so they yeah. kind of keep separate yeah for covid reasons or whatever yes. and then they can swap around if they need to that'll be fun yeah yep yeah, i like that all right so how how are we going to stage it though <laughs> other than that we know when it's going to be on <laughs> we know where it's going to be on we know who's going to be in it sort of do we <laughs> sort of. um any any grand ideas for for actually how we put what is essentially three time lapses this episode actually uh yeah on, i always bring stage. a challenge don't i a road trip yeah someone falling out of <laughs> car a montage and i actually did have a th- thought about this though and it was really weird because i did see it so clearly i was thinking that um you could keep it quite basic i think the new york skyline's a really important part of the storytelling and so um i thought it'd be really interesting to have that as a background whether that's projected or whether that's just a uh, like shadowed bra- background and then my thought for the montages was having a treadmill mm. and some lighting and doing um in I went to see a production of Way Outstream that I'm sure has been mentioned before because it was just incredible. They flooded a theatre. But part of that was lighting and that moved time along. The way they did the lighting, and I'm not a lighting technician, so I could not tell you how it was, but they did like these uh, these little flashes of light that allowed time to move on whilst also seeing the sunrise and sunset. Um, move quite quickly through and I thought that might be something that's really interesting to play with uh, for each of those montage moments because the montage moments you get or the two key the two key ones are about um her getting her being pregnant and going through pregnancy and uh, her and the child growing up um and so I thought there was this really nice thing of you could move time along and see her picking up different things. And as a light switch on and off, there's an ability to move different things into the space. And if you've got other actors mm. who have an ability to pass stuff onto the treadmill, she can keep walking uh, on that treadmill and move different things. And, and and it would be a very honest and open um, invite to the audience to see the process of something. But they mm. would be, you would hope they'd be so lost in the story that they'd engage with the the growing and the momentum of the story. So, you know, she could be getting more and more pregnant by, you know, throwing different things underneath or angling herself yeah. in a way or, you know, picking something up and then finding that difficult. Or I, I thought it could be really interesting. I think it's slightly harder with the child growing up, but there's an element of the child could jump off and jump on again and uh, and a different child who's slightly more grown up jumps onto the next bit. Or you could do it through um kind of shadow play 
I know that um, I went to see a performance of Gecko in Southampton ages ago, and I can't remember the name of the show, but I remember there was this whole section that they did a family like going through the motions through a shadow. Um, and so it meant that you could see the children grow up and stuff because they were changing um, their body shapes and being able to make it so it looked very different. So there, my first kind of initial thoughts was about the montages and how we do them in an interesting and exciting way. Because a, a lot of the time there's no story being told other than that there's a movement in in time. And if you put the right music to it, it could be a really interesting piece of physical theatre. Yeah. I really like that. My my only thought is um is is this idea that actually we we kind of have a setting in that like we have a, a doorman that everything is revolving around. I say revolving instead of a uh, a um, treadmill. What if we had a revolve, but also in the center of that revolve is a revolving door of the hotel. Yeah, and so the revolve can take us from inside to outside the hotel. Mm. But then the revolving door can then take our characters inside and outside. Um, and so during a montage, you could be rotating the entrance to the hotel. So we're seeing some of outside and some of inside whilst the characters are going yes, through the revolving yeah. door back through and, and, and getting that, that constant movement in and out. And again, I, I love this idea of, of being really like sort of naked with the process to the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, literally like you could have someone bring on like a, uh, sort of the kind of uh, stage suit you would wear to pretend to be pregnant and she could put that under or like you know or just objects or pillows or whatever um, and and this idea that like you can have characters bringing on props that are needed but they're not necessarily like doing that in scene yeah. um, I think that's a really a really nice way of sort of bringing some theatricality into these montages um, but yeah my only thought was just that slight change in staging yeah, yeah. To, to kind of really frame it around the door and the doorman and that yeah, sort of like that, that being the key centerpiece yeah that's really fun because what you said Elspeth made me think of um, a play called Boy by Leo Butler which was on at the Armada well nearly 10 years ago now um, and it was no maybe a bit less than that nearly 7 years ago now and it had this i would call it a conveyor belt rather than a um treadmill and it was set actually over over only two days it was about a 16 year old boy who just finished his gcse's uh and he's sort of wandering around during the summer and it's set over two days and that was exactly what they did with it they would sort of put things on the on the conveyor belt and it would spin as he was walking around london was the idea and then it would stop when he got to a shop or the someone's flat or the doctor or whatever it was um and it was in, it's interesting to me that like that's how they tried to move through a lot of space in a short amount of time but we're talking about moving through not much space in a lot of time um yeah. so it's interesting yes. to sort of use that for the same thing um, and I really like that idea, Caleb, of the of the revolving door. And then I think there's only four pieces of like bigger prop set that you would require, which is like his desk, yes. the sofa that he had in the entranceway. Hmm. Um, it's a lobby. I, oh, I think. I said, I think is, is it? Yeah, yeah. Is, it's is, a are lobby. we trying to actually set it all in the lobby? Is that a possibility? Well, I think bar the birth. Yes. Yeah, because she uh, doesn't in, need like, to be in her apartment, the, does she, actually? And she also doesn't need to be in the cafe when she tells the uh, the dad of the of her child. No. She could get him to come to the hotel to have that conversation. And maybe she decides to do it when, like, Guzman is, like, not 
on shift or something like that so that she can have that conversation privately or whatever. But um, I think, yeah, I, I think there's a way of making it where apart from the birth, which we can kind of deal with separately, everything is set in the lobby and everything we see happens well, in the lobby. This is, yeah, I think the birth's important to show, I guess, although it's very hard to do the, in a way that isn't funny on stage, I think. Um, but I was... It, it can be a bit funny. Yeah, it could well, be. It, could be. It, also, it is funny in the, in the play, in the program. <laughs> in, wait, in Waitress, a musical, they do this really well in which actually it... I guess there is an element of it being funny, but actually it's it's such a beautiful moment. Like it's a moment where you cry when you go and see Waitress because like she's out on just a bed left with her baby. Um, I guess, uh, you know, there's they do this whole, co- uh, the contraceptive, no, the conception ballet, um, which no, not conception. Quite, 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 those those would be the opposite anyway. <laughs> no, what's it called? I'm not going to remember the name now. But they do like a ballet, and it's all, of all the breaths of the wom- women. Um, contraction, contraction ballet. Oh my goodness! As a woman my, on this my, podcast oh right now, I'm disgusted. Yeah. At myself. I- <laughs> Gosh. Imagine needing a man to tell you what a contraction is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, as long as I don't get accused of mansplaining that one, because you, you were really asking for I someone to help you with that one. Don't worry, I'll cut it so it sounds like you're being an absolute dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah, good, good. I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, they do this really beautiful contraction ballet, which is, is a soundscape um, where you know that the birth is taking place. I guess there's an element of you need to see her look over at Guzman and believe that she can do it but i wonder if that's in a second like if if they bring round that you know if you used um what are the things called curtains doors yeah no i mean the you know the like screens the screens Uh, yes um, that was terrible brought- podcasting. Elspeth was was miming the screens and we were trying to work <laughs> out what it was. You just heard charades. <laughs> we just did charades <laughs> live for you. Um, and uh, they kind of spin round and, and give us that moment. And before that, we see like a shadow of her, I guess. Um, but she spins round, sees Guzman and gets that moment where she goes, I need to push forward. And then Guzman disappears as she spins back. I wonder if there's something, you know, you can make it still quite magical I'm- without making it co- comically like her trying to push a baby out in the middle of a stage. I'm keen if this is a bee play thing to try and avoid actually having a revolve under the revolving door and just using the revolving door because that seems much yeah. more doable. Um, I, but I think, is there a yeah. way of just doing it where he maybe he stays during that scene in front of his door where he stands because he's a doorman um, and there's just a sort of lighting change where instead of him being just there in the dark in front of his, in front of the door, he, he is in the room with her and it's just done yeah. with lighting. Yes. Um, yeah. Just for a moment. Just yeah. I, yeah, my only thought about why I was putting it on a revolver was about being able to show distinct, like being able to show both the outside and the inside of the hotel. But as you think about it, the way you can do that is you can have the set of the inside of the hotel, um, you know, the lobby. It's not a hotel, is it? 
No, I'm being no, an idiot. it's an apartment it's a building. Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's because we're not. It's just we, we don't, don't have, have that, that here. here. Well, that's even referenced in the program. The English character thinks he's a security guard because um, it's yeah, just not. Yeah, we don't yeah. really. I mean, I'm sure some of the really posh apartments in London, maybe, yeah. but like, yeah, we don't. We don't have that. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, you can have the lobby of the apartment building uh, in the sort of center stage area, and you could have the re- the revolving door also turned so that on one side it has like steps down yeah. to the street, and on the other side it it, it I don't other steps. No, yeah, not, sure. Like, steps the- down, but then. But then you can you can have it on trucks and you can pull it forward exactly. to the front of the stage to bring us outside uh, yeah, and put it back. Even on a, yeah, something like that, much simpler than a revolve. Yeah, sure. that was what I was about um, to suggest exactly. We move the door backwards yeah. and forwards instead of round and round, I think, yeah. yeah. Whole, instead of moving the yeah. whole stage around and round. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I completely agree if you can have uh, Guzman like just stepping just stepping from his space as Dorman into that hospital scene and then stepping back in uh, out of it. Um, I think that's a really, I think that's enough and I think it's really neat. And I think I was uh, thinking about um, Chichester Festival Theatre's production of Macbeth um, when the king's been killed and he comes back into the dinner. Um, they don't do any kind of fancy tricks to, to hide the fact that he's just a guy walking on stage and walking off again. And yet it was still like, eerie and terrifying in that so i think there's a way of making it feel as effective as you want it to be without having to use some great stage trick of having him appear and disappear mm. and sound as well yeah to bring in mm. I-, I was gonna say with the lobby there's some i think there's some really interesting stuff we can do with certain scenes uh like the scene where the guy there's a guy who goes to get breakfast for her and she thinks he's like left in the morning as it were but actually he's gone to get breakfast uh and that's like like we see that from her perspective in the apartment but there's something i think i wonder what we could do there that's interesting in the lobby and similarly when she goes to get her pregnancy tests when she thinks she might be pregnant and she goes and there's a really funny scene where the the person behind the pharmacy desk goes like wow (laughs) when she brings them all up and then when she goes away she's like good luck um and they even have a little reference to (laughs) how expensive pregnancy tests are which i liked as well um because it was like 60 quid for like three or something um and uh but we we could like i don't know wheel a desk on stage and just do that scene or we could find a really interesting way of like finding those same jokes but when she's walking up and down through the lobby to uh, to avoid him knowing that that's what she's doing yeah yeah well and also we see you know in that bit where she's she's wondering whether he's going to come back or not we see also her have a phone conversation with guzman and we saw it from her perspective in her apartment Mm. but we could easily flip that and we see it from his perspective Mm. Mm. um as she's coming down to meet the the uh meet is it ted yeah ted is the english man Um, and then and and it can be as ted arrives in the lobby she also comes down uh you know rushes down to see him and and that and actually that moment can happen in front of guzman and that could be kind of interesting Mm. as well to sort of see that um yeah, I think so. There a couple of things I wanted to, to kind of bring up. Well, we've we've covered one of my tearful moments, so that's good. And we've kind of handled how we can still have that feel sort of like it has pathos. Uh, but the other one is showing the ultrasound at the end. I know. Um, and this is kind of a perpetual challenge, I guess, of staging cinema is these like close-up shots of props of specific things, objects that we're meant to care about is really hard to do on stage. So how do we give that moment uh, the same feeling without being able to literally zoom in on uh, the ultrasound that we've seen earlier in the play. 
I wonder if it's like an opportunity for him to kind of for us to switch the story slightly and when when they leave for the day after their day out together he like can kind of pick up the ultrasound like maybe it's in a frame or something instead on his desk and it's just like a really Mm. obvious moment of looking at the ultrasound and recognizing that it's there but I don't know it's really difficult to do those intimate moments yeah absolutely he could fold it up in a certain way in his pocket and then we see the same folds folds yeah when he picks it up or something like that or it's very yellow or is it just because the point of that is not like it's not that surprising that he kept it all that time is it oh no is it just is it more just that like instead of we like I mean, we don't really want to go to the Natural History Museum. We don't need to. Like, we we knew, I knew anyway, when she, when the mum asked the daughter, what's the one thing you want to do today? And then they cut to being in yes. the Natural Museum. We knew that what that was before they yeah. did it, if that makes sense. So we could yeah. sort of yeah. just leave it there. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, just before they leave, he gets out the photo and has a look at it. Or, um, oh, that's not very, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not a very heavy note it's to so end on hard. in the same way, no. is it? Is it? Huh. Yeah. But it, the thing is, is it like a tearful look at the child instead of the actual, instead of the photo of them? Or Ooh, showing the child the ultrasound. Ooh. Like doing a little. I like that. And I've had this since you were like a little pee or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking as well, like, I, I really like that. And that might actually kind of fit into what I was just about to say. That, that probably solves what I was just thinking about. Uh, is uh, this idea that like maybe we can shift the framing of the narrative for this last bit. Because in, in the TV show, uh, Maggie gets this job in LA. She goes and then it just cuts to five years later and it's her coming back to visit. Um, is there a way we flip this and uh, and it, we kind of do a, a very short montage of uh, Guzman-like his life in the hotel for the five years that she's gone in yeah. LA? And uh, even, I mean, you know, like there's this sense that he's kind of like a, an older guy, right? And uh, and this story lasts, what, like eight or ten years? Mm. Um, could it even be that he, we see that five years after she's left and then he's retiring and she's coming back to sort of say goodbye before he retires, you know, even though she lives in a different city and stuff mm. now. Um, and so maybe there's something of like, actually, before they go to the Natural History Museum, it's him packing his stuff up and we see like the ultrasound and maybe there's a couple of other props yeah. uh, that can be relevant. Maybe like when he looks after the the daughter, she gives him like one of her toys or something mm. and he keeps it mm. or something like that. It, it's sort of my impression that he has retired to this job is, I guess, my issue with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, that is true. Yeah, yeah. But actually, uh, what you were just saying, Elspeth, of actually just um, wait, what were you just saying? Because <laughs> I, I really liked it, but, I- <laughs> but you forgot it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, having her run up and him like pick her up and show her this ultrasound and be like, this is oh, when right, you yeah, were yeah. like tiny and I've known you since you were like. Like maybe there's a cute little conversation been between them, like she says i've known you this many years or something or you know is talking to the new boyfriend um and then he picks up the ultrasound and goes well actually i've known you since day dot or something like that yeah because you know he's the first one she tells he's she's pregnant and everything too and so i think well and the first one shows the ultrasound too and yeah i think um well, that, I guess that's what I was thinking, yeah, is, is it actually if you shift the framing onto him mm. 
and you do this little montage of like life in the ho- in the not the hotel <laughs> life in the apartment block after uh, Maggie's left and then you have Maggie and the daughter returning we've kind of seen Guzman's perspective on that and then we'll get a little bit more as well of like why he would want to show her the ultrasound and why he would sort of think to do that as well yeah. that, that you reminded me there of another moment that is difficult with the lack of close-ups in theater is this moment where mm. we're in the apartment with her and she's found out she just found out she's pregnant and she's looking through her phone contacts thinking who do i call do i call my mom my sister my dad um i'm not sure who else is in that that contact list and then she is like hovering over all of them thinking about calling them and then she we cut to her having decided that she's gonna tell Mm. guzman um and i think that dilemma can just happen out on the street instead of upstairs so that's easy um but how do we show that that's what she's thinking i guess yeah, I guess I'm solving it as I go, but it's... There's an element it, of the, the yeah. pacing and being on the phone and, like, just being panicked. You know that she's making mm. decisions. And if it comes directly after that moment where she's had all the pregnancy tests, like, you can see that she's trying to make a decision there. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's an element of monologuing it to herself and saying, like, no, I can't call... No, I can't do that person. Uh, like, and yeah, and then just running in and like grabbing Guzman, or maybe she actually calls one of them and then go and then hangs up. Yeah, yeah, that works. I also think there's something quite neat about like there is something fun about the way that it cuts straight to her being held by Guzman and she's crying and stuff, and that's really nice. Uh, but actually, like you know in cinema you have the luxury of cuts in theater you have the luxury of entrances and ex- exits having that much more importance mm. and actually there's maybe there is something you can do with uh maybe we don't even see the dilemma and we just have uh you know we've seen her at the drugstore buying the uh pregnancy tests and then we just have her arriving uh in the lobby and she's like tearful and trying to explain to Guzman what's going on and maybe like she's you know too upset to like fully explain it at first and he's trying to get out of her what it is and then we like so we see the build up to that moment where he's just holding her while she's crying and trying to figure uh, out what's going okay. on so, what, but so then you're saying do you lose something in her not debating which family member like knowing that well, Guzman's the first can, person I think you can well you can kind of put it in you know he's like you can even have it like he's like who have you told and she's like no yeah. one or something like that just just mm. something short like that and that's exactly the kind of question i think he would ask yeah, her yeah. right well so is it uh so okay do we find out with guzman then do we just see her come down looking quite upset she cut she they have that conversation where he's offering her loads of drugs which is very funny um <laughs> and then she and then mm. she comes back in and we don't know what it is she's got and she goes back upstairs and then we kind of just kind of maybe maybe we sit there in silence for like two minutes or or something i think and that then could she be comes really back, neat um instead of seeing yeah. her thought process we just maybe it's just all met more from his perspective in some way i don't know yeah yeah well because actually as well you know in, in the tv show we know as soon as she's in the drugstore, she's pregnant, right? Or like even before that, like, yeah. you know, but at, at the very least, as soon as she puts the pregnancy test on, we're like, oh, she's pregnant. That's where this, this episode is going. Prior to that, I had no idea where this episode was Agreed. going. Agreed. I thought it was going to be some like, oh, finally she finds the guy he approves of kind of thing. Exactly. Which, you know, it kind of is, but like right towards the end, would it, wouldn't it be really cool if actually like that revelation of what this episode's actually about kind of happened in a two minute silence? And- yeah. 
Yeah, and the audience are kind of figuring it out with Guzman, and I think that that could be really. Uh, I think that could be really a really nice way of staging that moment, and that could lead na- naturally into that conversation they have a- afterwards mm. as well, which is a really uh, that scene is a really beautiful scene and really funny and really clever, sort of playing with that like dynamic of like you know you'd expect Maggie to be the like far more progressive one, but she like offers a very like conservative view of parenting, mm. and Guzman is the one that challenges her on it, and I think that's really neat, like sort of writing. It would also help us to find one of the slightly odd moments and it's only odd because it only happens once which is there's just a there's just a shot which is a point of view from from his perspective and this this guy this man that she's with has crosshairs on him and it makes sense because he's talked about being a sniper and how he finds out a lot from people 35 feet away and all this kind of stuff but it only happens once where we just have these crosshairs over this guy um from his perspective and that could be a fun thing that we somehow do on stage and if we really go for it being his perspective then we could kind of find other ways of doing stuff like that where it's a bit cartoony i guess yes yeah yeah i found that i was i was really curious about that moment because it it's just the one time it's the only time that happens yeah yeah and it's kind of it it establishes something about him but it kind of does it in this like really like formally distinct way yeah. and then you're like but it's yeah because it never comes back you're like oh okay that's established about his character but like it doesn't establish how we're actually telling this story whatsoever <laughs> it's very weird but i think yeah i think you're right though i i, I guess my only thought here or maybe like slight concern is um i still want it to be maggie's story yeah um but i think there's something you can do there right where um guzman becomes an almost a uh an observer a witness narrator, to yeah. her story unfolding yeah like a narrator who doesn't narrate yeah. you know but just mm. sees um i don't want it to be which it could end up being is this kind of story of a, an old man who loves this young woman very much in a sort of slightly creepy way uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. and that's not what we want because that's yeah. not what it is. No, yeah. it's so wholesome. It, yeah, it doesn't even it, it touch on that. It doesn't become anywhere near yeah. that. It's which I, I think it's a hard line to tread. I think it does it really well in the mm. show. So yeah, we definitely we have to avoid that. You know, he he's never pining when he looks. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. That's exactly the word I was going to go for. Yeah, he's never <laughs> pining he was, when he's he looks at pining. her. He's he is. It's yeah. very parental in us in a but yes. not in. He's occasionally patronizing. I think we can we can say that. But yeah, but in kind of the the nicest way possible, mm. yeah. <laughs> I guess. In way parents are. That's true. Know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so because the, the other moment that is for very much from her perspective, um, that I'm not sure how we do is this moment where she tells him that she's leaving and going to LA, and he mm. sort of just sort of stops her mid-conversation and says i've got to go outside and he just goes outside and stands in front and we can't see his face we see her face and we see that she gets yeah. back in the lift and she's kind of watching him from the lift and he's we don't know maybe he's crying maybe he's just he's very clearly upset and he's just gone to stand outside on duty and yeah i guess it's a question of how do we do that we can do it so that if we're like inside the lobby for that scene then he goes out up stage and he faces away and we can basically yeah. achieve exactly the same thing except if we do that then we can't see either of their faces because she's got to be downstage and looking up at him and so yeah that and that feels like it might be uninteresting and if we flip it around then we see both of their faces but what we can't do that the film can do is only pick one yeah Yeah. unless he goes off can well unless he goes off or uh, yeah are we having a lift by the way it seems quite or they well, can just go I down the corridor to go upstairs or something. I don't know. I, yeah, I think they can just go down the corridor because otherwise that's kind of slightly impossible. But I, I think 
one thing you could do is uh, believe in the <laughs> power of the image above like the facial expressions of an actor in that yeah. like just her looking after him as he goes out to sort of like have you know emotionally respond to it not in front of her is a kind of powerful enough image and it, maybe if you linger with that long enough you can then see her decide to leave him to it and walk off and then you get sort of her response um, you don't necessarily have to see it or maybe actually you have a moment where see, she's so choked up seeing him upset about it that she turns away as well and so we kind of get that and i think you could make that look relatively natural in performance mm. um but i think you're right it's a moment that that requires that like fine attention to like know exactly who you're trying to show what you're trying to show um i think there is an opportunity here though to like have this i guess kind of pretty natural shifting framing that like kind of goes between maggie and guzman like as and when it needs to because there's only the two of them as as primary characters and it's quite a sort of neatly packaged story i don't think that that would be confusing at any time well speaking of primary characters we have multiple men who appear very briefly in this thing yes how do you achieve that without employing lots of actors (laughs) is it can we do one guy plays lots of guys is that silly is it like a 39 steps kind of deal i yeah I think it could be. Is I think there one that guy... many guys though? Also, there's only there's only three. Actually. There's only three, but there's that's yeah. that's two more than one. If the... <laughs> yes, um, that's uh, two. Whoa, Jake, Correct. that's quick maths. <laughs> well like one of them's in it for the first. I guess we could just cut the first two minutes, and then we've only got two men. But that, but then yeah, how do yeah, we establish I think it's important to establish establish the, lot, yeah. yeah, you have to establish that first guy. I think you, you potentially you could have one guy play all three. That could be really funny. The other thing is if we're saying we're pairing this with a longer show, mm. um, you know, that's not much to ask of the, you know, actors in that show to ask them to just come and do like, oh, this is just a two minute bit part that you need mm. to learn and be in for this oh, other guest bit. performers guest yeah. performers guest that performers being the last guy the last boyfriend yeah because well, in a way you could almost not really brief them on exactly what they've got to do as just well, like be the boyfriend bit, right? yeah, yeah exactly yeah 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 um yeah that could be really nice that could be fun uh yeah any of those solutions i think will work all right dude all right. anything did you have any other thoughts Elspeth, that you wanted to bring the only other thought i had was about extending the story but actually we've kind of naturally done a bit of that anyway in you know uh, pulling out different parts of the story um and also i think music is really important in stories mm. like this especially when you've got montage to be able to have a real important score behind it and i think i very much think it's not like having a pop song or anything like that behind it but something something that is an original piece of music composed that is very light and romantic Mm. and classical um to move and and shows a movement of time quite like through music would be the perfect thing that that has a motif of Mm. you know something that you know we recognize yeah because there are beautiful moments of again more moments of like time change where like the the my favorite one was she goes down into the subway during the day and then we watch it change tonight and then she comes up the stairs and she's at the end of the date and it's clearly like weeks later and again as you say Caleb the the entrances and exits can sort of afford us that where she sort of goes off and comes straight back on and it's a different time and it's quite obvious um but like using the music to kind of also find that I think is 
I think will be really important. Yeah, kind of really using lovely. that, like, yeah, using something that, like, maybe kind of small orchestral uh, score, uh, definitely strings in there to kind of get that, like, sort of romantic feel to it. But, yeah, there's also stuff you can do there, though, of, like, changing up style to change time. And when I say style, I don't mean, like, absolute different styles but actually like go, going from something that is like uh you know like a kind of more upbeat like you know like plucked strings kind of thing for like her morning as she's rushing about a day and then going to something like sort of slower more like uh smoother legato mm. kind of sound for like her arriving back that you know weeks later but in the nighttime with a with uh mm. you know a, a person she's been on a date with i think that that could all that could work and you kind yeah. of you can use the music to shift time as well as uh as well as all the staging sort of stuff we talked yeah. about mm. and and as well as in terms of as you said you're talking about length of the of the play itself Elsbeth, and, and and having it breathe there are moments where you have to do that just because of the way conversation works in the theater right so when she tells the guy that she's pregnant what they do is they like we see him react for like half a second and then we cut to like yeah. maybe 20 minutes later right it's like mm. the end of the conversation they're outside she's saying well you know you don't have to be a part of this if you don't want to and he's like great and then like leaves and it's great it's great fun uh but <laughs> he, do, he does kind of he does come back in a couple of scenes yeah 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 that's true he brings some food and it's stuff cl- like it's that it's clear that he still has don't give him no, no, an no, out no, Caleb. No, 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 no. he's like he's definitely meant to be like the the jerk who decides to do nothing but i think i just think it's interesting that actually i think the show kind of tr- actually i think the show Should, sort of treats yeah. him nicer than it, pr- it probably could well i think i think i, I you know in, i think in, there's certainly like like deep and lengthy moral conversation has to be had about that kind of stuff isn't there it's not it's not oh, black course. and white yeah, yeah. but anyway <laughs> so i'm not defending this guy anyway my point my point being is that on the stage we just have to have that whole conversation yeah. in some way um yes yeah, yeah and yeah. that's i do not want to be the one to have to write that hard no but i i think there's a way of oh, but theater can also condense conversations and, and and so you can it can reach the point it reaches very mm. quickly if you write it economically i think mm. and and as well like i think that almost makes more of the fact that he wants to kind of get out of that situation as quickly as he can mm. because actually if he can make the conversation happen in a couple of minutes with just a couple of sh- like questions to just oh and this and this oh i'm off the hook okay and then he could just leave mm. you know and then you can kind of use that so if we staged it yeah cool we might okay. have done it yeah me too do you, uh, so i have a question if you if you is there a play that you know today you would pair it with? That's very interesting. Well, because my my immediate thought about it was like this idea of, um, you know, I think in the UK particularly we have this like really incredible fringe theatre scene, but like often those shows have to be extended somehow or, you know, something has to happen to them for them to then mm. make it into like some kind of tour or you're just touring an hour long show but actually by like pairing a half hour story with an hour long show you build mm. what what is like a full length show right um at, but but like with something that maybe already exists in terms of like a fringe show um i'm trying to think of like a specific fringe show that it could work with though uh, well i'm thinking of a fringe show that didn't do that that is has some feminist themes i guess <laughs> you know where i'm going with this i know exactly where you're going with this six the musical six the musical yeah which yeah no but i think you're right in that like get that money uh, you know i, I I, I understand what Six has done, but like the idea of paying full price for an hour show 
you know it's i don't know i guess you do that in the cinema and that like you pay the same price however long the film is and also you're paying you're paying for singing along to the songs it's a it's yeah, a concert it in a many concert. ways yeah, of course, you know, in, yeah. in, t- in terms of the appeal of it as well but but paying to see a, a short play in front of a show like six uh i think it's a really neat idea and i and i yeah something like six would work perfectly actually um i'm also trying i'm trying to think of like a good like straight fringe show that's not a musical that that i've seen that could work for it as well um but i haven't seen much mm. string theater in a, a long time for obvious reasons because <laughs> the because you're a terrible person <laughs> yeah. oh right yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, do you do you have a uh, anything in mind Elizabeth? i don't actually but now you've said a fringe show i was thinking of and i have no recollection of what the uh the show was called but it was like a musical opera about oh, two siblings who went back home and i know that doesn't sound like how to know something about the uh, was that the washing yeah, machine one we yeah. went to see? What was it called, Jake? How to use a washing machine? How to use a that's washing it, machine? That's yeah. it. I was. I had both components that I had to put them and together. I know that's, uh, that's a musical. Not directly yes. attached, but actually, both are stories that have happened in a moment, and I just think that's really interesting. I I really like that idea. An idea. How to use a washing machine would would really work in that sense, and also like probably similar instruments that you would have across yeah. the two um and so yeah would probably help you to sort of accentuate the kind of physical aspect of the the show we've just talked about as well i think that's a really neat idea yeah but how to use a washing machine was on in the in zoo venues at the edinburgh fringe in 2019 um did it tour as well yeah i went to the manchester fringe uh the edinburgh uh played in oxford for a little bit as well it's a musical with lyrics by georgie botham and a score by joe davis well, yeah, it was just, uh, uh, do you know, it's the one thing that really stuck in my head from the fringe, uh, other than other things like, you know, redacted arachnid. But, um. <laughs> so, hold on a minute. Let's just, let's just take a step back here. Other than other things, <laughs> that's the only thing that stuck in your head. <laughs> Cut that, Jake. Cut, Cut that. It. That's mean. <laughs> no, just Well, you know, it's, it's sometimes. <laughs> like, well, it's like, you know, other than all of the salad it's only the carrots that really stick in my mind i see other than all of the salad it's only the vinaigrette that sticks in my mind i think you're you just know what, gonna that have to keep all these jokes <laughs> yeah it's gonna have to stay in isn't it um, <laughs> it's okay i'll brilliant. be embarrassed i just won't tell anyone yeah yeah <laughs> Elizabeth, what are you up to at the moment where, where can people find things that you're doing uh when people find you online this is your soapbox um you can find me on twitter and instagram at elspeth Re- rebecca which is e-l-s-p-e-t-h-r-e-b-e-double-c-a <laughs> rebecca the normal way the normal way um and uh i'm just doing lots of exciting events down in chichester um general managing the two of you uh, and there's loads of exciting things coming up in 2022 so check my instagram check chichester festival theater's instagram which is at chichester ft uh, and find out all the wonderful things they're doing because there's loads of great stuff that is uh, about to appear next year and i think it will be bring in a different audience Uh, Caleb if you want to bring a different audience to your socials (laughs) what what, what are they 
<laughs> I love them. I love these shitty segues. Right. <laughs> what, what, what are they, Kayla? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Caleb Lebster. That's C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-S-T-E-R. Jake, where can people find you online ridiculously you can find me on twitter at jake underscore mori that's j-a-k-e underscore m-o-r-r-y or you can find me on instagram at jakey mori that's j-a-k-e-y m-o-r-r-y and we are maybe lucky productions and this is the maybe you like it podcast you can find us on twitter and instagram at maybe you like it with the letter u or you can find us on facebook at maybe you like it productions that's with the word you or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk write to us with your modern love stories maybe we'll make them into place mm. Mm. i would actually do that i would do an episode i'd certainly do if that someone wrote in with a modern love story of their own and and they were willing for us to discuss it at length on this podcast <laughs> i would do it that would be amazing i'd love to do that please do tell it. us tell us your personal stories no. so that we may stage them for profit the more personal um, the no, better so that we may stage them for 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 art um maybe like that maybe didn't This podcast is not right for you. We have, we could see it from afar. The podcast will never call back. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't.